March 31st, 2023. We're in Masechet If you come from the top of the Amud down, it's 14 lines down, just in the middle of the line. It says the Gemara, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Shemuel. And the context, very briefly, was a Mishnah in which we had a Mahloka between Beit Shammai and Beit Hilel. The issue was this melachav tochen on Yom Tov, grinding on Yom Tov. And the Mishnah distinguished both according to Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel, just a question of levels, how severe they would be. But there's a distinction between grinding uh, tavlin, um, grinding spices, and grinding melach, grinding um, salt. And the difference between the two, the Gemara explained in one of two ways, that's what we left off with yesterday, but ultimately speaking, what's clear from our Mishnah is that we're more severe when it comes to melach, when it comes to grinding salt on Yom Tov. According to Betilel, who's obviously the operative opinion, the normative uh, approach, uh, the way it goes is that if it's grinding uh, tavlin, if it's grinding spices on Yom Tov, there's no necessity to make any shinu. You don't need to make any significant nor insignificant change. You can and may grind spices for your food on Yom Tov in the regular and normal fashion. Again, for one of two reasons the Gemara mentioned earlier. When it comes to melach, in contrast, when it comes to salt, over there, according to Beit Hillel, there needs to be a slight change. Something needs to be different. The Gemara now presents this opinion of Rav Yehuda in the name of Shemuel, which is uh, different than anything we were expecting. According to this, well, we'll find out in a moment, that change, that severity, that humrah that we found by salt seems to have vanished. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Shemuel, kol hanidochin, nidochin kedarkan va'afilu melach. The statement is, when it comes to Yom Tov, again, this all needs to be very clear, we're only talking about on Yom Tov. And as a result, we're only dealing with a prohibition which is potentially midrabbanan, rabbinic in nature, that you could have and should have done this beforehand. On Shabbat, all of these leniencies will not be as easily applied. But the statement then is, when it comes to Yom Tov, kol nidochin, anything which needs to be ground, nidochin ketarkan, they can be ground in their regular and normal fashion. Va'afilu melach, and even salt. So, whereas the initial words of the of this statement of Shemuel could have been easily interpreted as betilel, when it comes to spices, tavlin, it could be ground in its it could be, excuse me it can be ground in its regular fashion. Uh, the last words va'afilu melach, even salt. That's very surprising. Betilel told us at the end of the Mishnah va'hamelach b'madoch shel When it comes to salt, you can't and should not use the stone grinding instrument, but rather one made of wood. You need to have some shinui, some differentiation, which the rabbis instructed us to do in order to make certain that you do this right on Yom Tov. So as the Gemara veha amarta, didn't you tell me, meaning didn't the Mishnah inform me, melach ba'aya shinui, when it comes to salt, it's necessary to have an alteration, a change in the way that you would uh, be grinding it. And as a result, questions the Gemara, where's this coming from? Now, you could say it's another opinion. Difficult to have another opinion that contrasts with the Mishnah. The Mishnah, after all, precedes Rav Yehuda and Shemuel several hundred years. The assumption always in the Gemara, nearly always, is that Emoraim, rabbis from the time of the Gemara, will not dispute. They're not going to contradict that which was written and instructed upon in the Mishnah. And as a result, if even according to Beit Hilel, our lenient opinion, you have to have some shinui, some differentiation, something needs to change when it comes to melach on Yom Tov, how could it be that he says va'afilu melach? 
That's an interesting approach. Uh, Nathan suggests, as we were discussing yesterday, there are different types of salt, and maybe our Mishnah was talking about one type of salt, which is more severe. Over here, we're talking about a different type of salt. It's a very Talmudic type of answer. Interestingly, the Gemara does not answer that. It says the Gemara, amar ki Instead of uh, establishing, which could be and sometimes is the ultimate uh, resolution in the Gemara when you get stuck. The Gemara says maybe we were talking about X over there and Y over here even though it didn't meet the eye and it wasn't fully explicated. And the Gemara over here says we have other empirical data. We have evidence that there's another opinion. It's not in our Mishnah, but it's in a Beraita. That uh, emanates from the ta- same time period. Mishnah and Beraita are composed in the same time period. However, Mishnah, of course, is codified as what we call the Mishnah. Beraita is kind of the supplementary uh, readings. It's the stuff uh, that was not entered into the Mishnah. But it's uh, very valid and sometimes uh, more significant, rare, but sometimes more significant than the Mishnah itself. It says the Beraita, Amar Bimeir, Lo Nechleku Bet Shamayu Bet Al Hanidokhin Shinidokhin Kedarkan. So first and foremost, Rabbi Meir has a novelty, has a chidush. He says, Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel, meaning even Bet Shammai agree to a full leniency if you're doing the following. This is altogether different than anything we saw in our Mishnah. If you're grinding at the same time period, um, your, your spices, your tavlin and salt, in such a circumstance, do it all kidarkan. That's quite a novelty. Betilel, we understood spices could be kedarkan, there doesn't need to be a shinui. The statement over here is even according to Beit Shammai, spices are kedarkan, there doesn't need to be a shinui. That's interesting already. That's very different than our Mishnah. But more than that, says Rabbi Meir in this Beraitah, Beit Shammai and Betilel agree that as long as at the same time that you're grinding your, your spices, you include as part of that grinding process your salt as well, do it all kedarkan. You could use the regular grinding instruments the mortar and pestle in order to do this in the regular fashion as you would, so to speak, on a, on a weekday. So then what's the mahlokit? I mean, we all... T- it's not exactly grinding salt on its own, but now that you're doing it in the same process as uh, doing it with the, the spices, you can then do it with the same instrument. Right, there is a shinui, ultimately speaking, that you're not doing it on its own. But it doesn't mean per se that it's mixed in with the spices. It's that I did my spices and at the same time I put into the same grinding instrument my salt. I... One after the other. Yeah, still different. Still not, uh, I would sit at my table and I would grind it. Can't do it alone. So that still is, is in effect. And how are you going to be using that on Yom Tov? What's going to be the necessity of preserving it for... That's the point. That's why you can't crush it. Uh, uh, that's why salt is more hamur. You want to add a third reason. Well, the Gemara told us yesterday, two reasons salt is more hamur. You should have planned it beforehand. And, uh, and the other reason was because it's not going to lose its taste. You're saying, furthermore, just salt in and of itself seems like something which can and would be used as preser- preserving. And in turn, it looks wrong, more wrong for Yom Tov Shabbat activity than Tavlin. I understand. He's, Jeff, is saying, Jeff is saying that the action, ultimately speaking, you're also doing it just for the food, but we're penalizing. We're saying something looks wrong over it. So he's saying it looks wrong as well because you use it for preserving reasons. 
That's an interesting third reason. Uh, the Gemara never had it. What is the mahloka between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel? According to this Biraita, Rabbi Meir, Ela Leducha Bifne Atzma. Okay, the mahloka specifically and only between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel with regards to grinding on Yom Tov is salt on its own, not in conjunction with the process of grinding spices. According to Beit Shammai, you need to use altogether different instruments, as we read about those in the Mishnah. That's a full-fledged Shinui. Uh, furthermore, the amount of salt that you're permitted to grind needs to be a more, uh, a more minimal amount. That's what we call sali as opposed to kedera. I'll explain that right now. Oh, certainly. I mean, we know that already from the Mishnah. It's going to be according to Beti Lil. It doesn't, though. We're going to follow Beti Lil, but give it a second. Which means to say that, um, you see, the halachai, as we've discussed this on one or two occasions, once a person slaughters, they need to salt the animal in order to extract the blood from it. Now, that's specifically true if you're going to be uh, using a process known as bishul. You're going to be cooking uh, the meat. What if you're going to be um, uh, sali? What if you're going to be roasting the meat? In such a circumstance, it's not necessary to salt it in that fashion because our assumption is that through the roasting, it's going to rid it of its uh, blood. Why would you be putting salt on it then? Just in order to add, give a better taste to it. It means that in terms of how much salt a person would put on meat, there's a distinction between whether you would be doing it likdera, libishul, that's a lot, and a lot less, uh, or a smaller amount, when you would be doing it lisli, when you'd be roasting it. The statement in turn, now you'll understand those words in the Gemara, of Beit Shammai is, number one, we distinguish, if you're going to be grinding the salt on its own, then it needs to be done with a different, a different utensil, a different instrument, a different device. Why so? Shinui, it's necessary for Yom Tov. One of the two reasons we discussed yesterday, why it's going to be different than tavlin, than spices. Uh, furthermore, you can't do a large amount. That's going to be a tirhashi lodasorech. That's going to be too much of an arduous activity on the holiday. So you can only do a smaller amount if you're doing it in order to add taste to your food. Nothing more, nothing less. All right, but here's the key line. Ubetilel omrim bechol davar. Period. Betilel statement is, with all instruments, in any way, Oh, well, that's very important. That means according to Beti Leil, we now found our sourcing for the way we opened the day. We opened the day with that statement of Rav Yehuda in the name of Shemuel. Rav Yehuda in the name of Shemuel said, everything, including salt, on Yom Tov, could be nidoch kiddarko. You could do it in the regular fashion. We said, wait a second, the Mishnah told us that when it comes to melech, when it comes to salt, you need a shinui. He says, like the author of this Mishnah. Who's the author of this Mishnah? Bimeir. Bimeir's interpretation or his tradition about what Betilel actually said is different than we had presented in our Mishnah. It's fully permissive. According to this approach, Betilel's opinion is quite clearly it's permitted to grind salt. Bechol davar. The Gemara questions that very briefly. Bechol davar. Are you telling me really you could grind it? With any utensil, with any instrument, even if the instrument is even with mukse instrument, no, can't be. Says Gemara Ela Ema lechol davar. Rather, perhaps the meaning is lechol davar, meaning irrespective of how much you're doing, whether you're doing it lesali or even likdera, even if you're doing the large amount of salt grinding, so to speak, the amount you would need in order to rid the meat of its blood, that's permitted as well. 
Agreed. Agreed. Uh, in other words, Kedera is that large amount. We're usually not thinking even bigger than that. All right, that's what we have here in the Gemara. Before we move onward, I just want to briefly read to you. And again, I want to remind you, we're sp- speaking in this subya specifically and only in the context of Yom Tob. I want to read to you from Shohan Aruch in Ora Haim in Siman Taf Kof Dalit. Uh, Shohan Aruch again in Hilchot Yom Tob, not addressing Shabbat where there is a greater severity, Humrot, with regards to such matters. Dachin et tevalin kedarkan, says Shohan Aruch, when it comes to spices, they can be ground in their regular fashion. Shim yaducho yom ta'aman. The reason why it's permitted with regards to spices to use a grinder in the regular fashion on Yom Tob is because if you would have done it before Yom Tob, the fear is it would no longer have the same taste. You want the fresh taste, that's why people do it at the meal, that's why that's permitted. Aval, however, says Shulchan Aruch, not like the opinion we just read, rather like the Beit Hilel of our Mishnah, aval melach enonidoch biyom tob, we're going to read those words in just a moment. It needs to be either that you tilted the instrument as you did so. We'll read those words in the Gemara to come. Or alternatively, you used a different instrument. You need what's called a shinui. Because the statement is, if you did it before Yom Tob, the understanding is salt will not lose its potency, its good taste, its ability to impart the proper taste, even if you ground it before Yom Tov. And says that you're not allowed to grind pilpel, uh, that's uh, peppers of sort, or hardal, or mustard seeds, with their rehaim. Uh, rehaim is a millstone. And the reason is because that's ovadin dehol, that's a weekday activity. Dach uh, otam, what you can do, however, is you can crush, you can uh, grind them with the, uh, with, the, with the spice grinder like any other spice. Uh, says, Mishnah, says Mishnah Berura, and many of the poskim, the truth is, as Eli uh, told us yesterday, as Tosafot pointed, in our, pointed out on our sugya, when we refer to salt, we're not really referring to all salts. We're referring to sea salt, which in its organic state, which you have over here, is one clump. And as a result, you're for the first time grinding it. If it was already ground, and then for some reason, the moistness kind of connected it again, we say, and it should be permitted. However, says Mishnah Berurah, the normative approach to this matter, and Kafa Chaim, and many of the poskim agree with this, is that when it comes to salt, you should not, under any circumstances, Mishumarit Ayim. Since people, um, generally speaking, are, are as, maybe not as much, but they're ignoramuses when it comes to matters similar to me, and they don't even realize there are two types of salt. In turn, it looks wrong, it, it doesn't have the uh, proper um, uh, optics if a person is grinding salt at their table, even though in their mind they're aware that this was the already ground salt as opposed to the uh, sea salt. And as a result, we generally speaking, distinguish if it's going to be spices on Yom Tob, you can do it with the spice grinder. If it's going to be salt, it should have been done beforehand. That's the halakha on this matter. The Gemara continues a few more of these details. Shouldn't be done even on Yom Tob. Yeah. Again, it's a, it's a step removed because you're dealing with a marit ayin, but to the best of my knowledge, that's how the post goes. Both Mishnah Baran and Kafa Hayim. Why, why only at the table? You said at the table by yourself. You're eating by yourself. 
No, Marit Ayn is Asura, Philippa Hadre Hadarim. We say Marit Ayn is even in the most inner of rooms, we, we don't distinguish. Is there any salt that's not already ground today? It becomes crystallized. It becomes crystallized and it's All right. They don't even know if it's Tavlin. Ad Kadeh Kach, I guess we don't go. Again, to the best of my knowledge, the best of my knowledge, we're Osir Mishumarit An. That's to the best of my knowledge. That's right. Says, says Jared, if we're so keen, again, if it's Mutar, we don't, I don't need you doing that. But to the best of my knowledge, it's not Mutar, but Jared says not to say that you can't have your freshly ground salt. Just take it out of the grinder and take a fork or something like that. Pepper's okay. Anyom yeah. Tov. All right, says the Gemara onward. I, I do, and at the conclusion of the sugya, I will, it has no connectedness right now to our sugya. Our sugya really is only talking about leniencies on, on Yom Tov, but I'll, I'll uh, really need to do so. Says the Gemara onward, Amar le Ravahabardela lebere. Ravahabardela said to his son, Kidayachat, when you grind, Asle asluye vedoch, you should tilt the instrument and only then uh, grind it. And effectively what he's telling him, it appears, is even if you're going to be doing it, as we just mentioned, in the regular way, with the normal utensil when it comes to salt, at the very least you should have a shinui with the way that you're doing it. So we read this in Shohan Aruch, you have one of two options. Either change the instrument, don't use the regular one, instead of stone, use a wood, or alternatively keep using the stone, but turn it, tilt it. Rav Sheshat says the Gemara, Sin not sinning, not sinning. But since you're tilting it in in, in, in this way, that's a shinui. The marit ayin is that you're doing it without a shinui. If you do it with a shinui, it's permitted. Says the Gemara, Rav Sheshat shama kol buchna. Rav Sheshat heard the sound of grinding on Yom Tov. Amar exclaimed Rav Sheshat. I love migave migave de betai hava. He says, who? He says, this grinding sound can't be coming from my house. I, it's just not possible. I've taught my family members that we don't grind on Yom Tob. Uh, there's no chance. Says the Gemara, why was Rav Sheshat so certain that whatever he was hearing on Yom Tob was a forbidden act? Vidilma, maybe, says the Gemara, asluye asle. Maybe uh, what he was hearing was from his house, in his kitchen, his wife, his son, but they were tilting as they were grinding. Says the Gemara, when he heard the sound, he heard it was a clear and pristine sound, and it's a bit more muffled, and it has a different sound when you tilt the instrument as opposed to doing it in the regular upright fashion, and the sound, and he apparently had very fine ears and was able to hear it clearly, he was certain it was being done in the regular fashion anyway. 
Maybe what he was actually hearing was spices. Spices, Betileil told us, is fully permitted without a shinui. Says the Gemara Tevalin, When a person crushes spices, since they're not, uh, since they're kind of inside of some sort of external shell, uh, since what you're doing is more than just crushing and separating, but you're um, extracting as you're crushing it very often, uh, it has a barking sound. If you're to crush it with that mortar and pestle, it'll make a much louder uh, ab- abrasive sound, and he didn't hear that sound. So he was certain that this was being done kiddarka, and he was certain that it was being done with melach, and as a result, Rav Sheshat said very clearly, this can't be done in my house. It must be our next door neighbors. All right, says the Gemara onward, Tanur Rabbanan. What's that? I don't know. Maybe it was the non-Jews. I don't know. The Gemara says, Tanur Rabbanan. Tanur Rabbanan. This Beraita has two separate laws, which the Gemara very quickly will question, seem to contradict one another. Tisni, this Beraita already brings us in the direction away from spices and salts and into the domain of wheat. Tisni is a way in which once upon a time wheat would be ground the kernels of wheat in a very fine way, or a very, uh, very fine way, very delicate way. The, the kernel would be ground into four separate pieces. It was a delicacy of sorts. That's called tisni. So the Baraita says you're not allowed to do tisni on Yom Tov. Furthermore, and the understanding over there is that's a tirha. That's something which is very difficult to do. You have to pay attention. You have to be careful as you're doing it. That's forbidden on Yom Tov. Furthermore, ve'en kochin b'machteshet. That says that you're not allowed to grind wheat at all. This says the Gemara Tarte. This seems like a self-contradictory beraita. On the one hand, you told me it's specifically forbidden to take the kernels and to crush them into fours, into quarter pieces. Now, that's very refined. That's very careful. That's why it's forbidden. But right after, you told me all circumstances. If the halakha is all circumstances are forbidden, well, then you should have just said, en kochin The fact that you started off by telling me specifically that tisni made me believe otherwise. It seems like uh, one line doesn't follow to the next. Answers the Gemara Hachekaman. This is how the Beraita needs to be read. Why is it that you're not allowed to make that delicacy, the, the wheat, which is crushed into fours, into quarters? Period. Now, the only reason is not per se because it's an arduous, effortful uh, activity. That's not the reason. The reason is because generally speaking, you're not allowed to be kotesh, machtesh, you're not allowed to grind on Yom Tov wheat. So again, take a step back and then understand it like this. Teaching a class and someone, so to speak, raises their hand in the class. Says, Rabbi, could we make tisne on Yom Tov? So I said, you may not make tisne on Yom Tov. Let me explain to you why. Because grinding wheat on Yom Tov is forbidden. Period. That says the Gemara. But if that was a class and a question, I understand. But this is a statement being recorded in the Beraita. It's a little confusing. It could have very clearly stated in the Beraita, Velema en kochin bemachteshe. Period. If, if the halakha is a general halakha, that you're not allowed to grind wheat on Yom Tov, that the permissibilities that we have by uh, spices and even by uh, salt does not apply to wheat on Yom Tov, just tell us that. Instead, the Beraita says, you're not allowed to make the refined um, four pieces of wheat because you're not allowed to grind wheat on Yom Tov. 
It's a little misleading. Just tell me you can't grind wheat on Yom Tov. Says the Gemara, there's one of several ways of reading this. If I had just taught in this Beraita that you're not allowed to grind wheat in a grinder on Yom Tov, that simple statement would have led us to believe. Maybe that's specifically when I'm dealing with a large commercial instrument and utensil which grinds wheat. Now that's what's forbidden. I perhaps would have said Shapir Dame means it's okay. I would have said that when it comes to a small crush, um, a grinding instrument. What's that? That's what makes tisne. That's the small individual activity of taking the kernels and turning them into quarter pieces. What's that? You wouldn't crush wheat in the mortar. The mortar that we're thinking of. Right, so again, in other words, and Kochim B'machtesh, it would have made me believe, says, says Eli, that you're talking about the larger instrument. The fact that you have that statement as well of Tisne tells me even the smaller one's forbidden. All right, that's the statement. Kamash Ma'lan, that's the Hidush, that they're all forbidden on Yom Tov. Uh, So that's what Eli was just telling you. He said, no, no, it's no problem. He said that when I just talk about grinding wheat, well, what comes to mind for the average person? A mass production of, of wheat. You're talking about Mahdesh Gedolab. You might ask, and I understand, and could have said this as well, why doesn't the Beraita say, and Kochin be Mahdesh? So maybe it made it more relevant to our own lives. We're all familiar with the delicacy known as Tisne. You know, I'm saying that with a smile. Can you tilt with regards to Haitim? That's an interesting question. We didn't find any permissibility over here. Uh, there's, there's, there's no Shinui being mentioned. Keep in mind, even the small instrument, which is less normal, is not being for, be permitted for one reason or another. Whereas, it, I mean, I do understand that. Words, where, whereas the production of my foods for Yom Tov will necessitate salt and spices in order for it to taste good. You don't have the delicacy of, uh, uh, of, of these haitim, uh, of, of these tisneh. All right, you'll, you'll get through your meals, I guess is the assumption. The Hatanya says the Gemara, we have a Beraita which contradicts this. En kochin makhteshet kedolav, al kochin makhteshet ketana. The Gemara says we distinguish this Beraita, tells us, between a large commercial big device of uh, really grinding a lot uh, or, or in, a, in a massive fashion, and the small one seems to be permitted. So your reading of the Beraita just a moment ago seems flawed because your explanation was that the reason the Beraita again mentioned first Tisne and only then Machteshet is to tell me that Machteshet is the Gedola and Tisne is the Ketana, the large one and the small one are forbidden. This Beraita says the large one forbidden, the small one permitted. Amara baye ki tanya name matnita Machteshet Gedola tanya. Uh, Abaye's explanation is, he, the truth is, that last Beraita, we misread it. What do you mean you misread it? It goes like this. Uh, uh, take a look at Rashi, four lines from the bottom. That Beraita, which we initially read, it was really only referring to a large Machteshet. And strike out our explanation that we had until now that the Beraita went like this. Why, um, you're not allowed to cut the wheat kernels into fours. Why not? Because you're not allowed. Don't read it like that. Rather, it's two statements. Two statements, then they're self-contradictory. No. This is what I meant to say. You're not allowed to make those four quarter pieces. 
specifically the, the tisne, you're not allowed even in a small device. What would the reason be? Why would tisne be different? Because it's arduous, because it's a hard activity. Furthermore, says the Beraita, even when it's easy, if it's being mass produced, that's prohibited as well. Which means to say we do leave room of leniency then, according to this interpretation, if you're using the small device, but you're not doing this finely and uh, carefully cut into four pieces. Uh, so I took my wheat and I want to cut up my wheat, but I'm going to do it in that careful fashion. I'm just kind of going to use it in the regular way, but I can't use it in the large one. I can't be too careful on it to make it into the delicacy of the fours. I can uh, grind it in such a fashion. That's the first way of resolving this contradiction. So you that the big one, you're only making what you're going to eat for your clothes. When you use the big one, you're going to be doing adding extra, which is really... Which, is, which, which might be the source of this issue. Right. Right. Um, no commercial use, basically. Right. Personal yeah. use and not overwork yourself. Right. If you use the big one, you can end up with making goods. You're making but, goods. But they think you can't even use the little one. This interpretation is you're allowed to use the little one. No, but Nathan, I will tell you, and, and uh, uh, according to my understanding, even if you're having 150 people, you still can't use the large one. And I'm making just for that, because ultimately speaking, the action is a commercial action. That's considered milachan yom tov. That's our source. Should prepare before. Says the Gemara, Rava Amar, Rava alternatively says, no, there's no contradiction between Beraitot, but don't change our understanding of that initial Beraita. What do you mean? One Beraita says that I'm not allowed to, according to our understanding, use any grinding device in order to grind on Yom Tov, uh, the wheat. And the second one says, but you're allowed to with the small one. How's that not a contradiction? It's a distinction between us and them. And whenever the Gemara uses those words, it's a reference to us in Bavel and they in Eres Yisrael. Interestingly, the way Rashi interprets it over here is it goes like this. We in Bavel, we don't have so many slaves and maidservants who might make mistakes and not follow the halacha accordingly. And therefore, we're allowed to distinguish. We tell them, as you do your work for us on Yom Tov, do it just with the small grinding devices. And those whom we have, if we have, they're going to listen to us. In Israel, those avadim and shvachot that they have, they're mezelzele. We know they don't listen to them. As a result, that second veraita, which says that it's permitted in, it's permitted to use the small one. It's speaking to a society like our own, where our avadim listen to us. The first beraita, which is forbidding all, uh, that's for Eretz Yisrael, where they have to fear the way that it's going to be produced by the slaves. You can have um, Well, so, I mean, if it's mutar avodah, certainly. Over here, this avodah is mutar. It's It's we're, we're suggesting if it's a small grinding device, it's permitted. That's what we're going with right now. So we're suggesting, that's what I was we're suggesting, the, the second that I touch talking about a society outside, that exists in today's day and age of the Gemara outside of Israel, right? So in other words, the statement then is not that the small device is actually inherently asur. It's asur because we fear they'll do it wrong. But it's a mutah activity. If you and I were to do it in Eretz Israel, it would be mutah. The alternatively, Harambam's understanding of the distinction between Eretz Israel and Bavel is different. His understanding is with regards to the quality of the hita. 
Uh, that's how he distinguishes. Is the quality of the hita such that if it's ground before Yom Tov, it'll maintain its status on Yom Tov, or is it going to diminish? He says in Eretz Yisrael, they had better produce, they had better hita, it was fresher, or maybe it was drier, I'm not sure exactly which one would be better, but ultimately speaking, if you were to grind it, his understanding is better. Before Yom Tov, it would still be okay on Yom Tov. It's Asur even to use the small device on Yom Tov. We in Bavel, our produce is not as good. If we were to grind it beforehand, it won't be good on Yom Tov. That's where we, uh, as a result, uh, are able to use the small Machteshit because we wouldn't be able to have it otherwise. Very technical. Who, sure. Who very, very subjective and very technical. So Agreed. It doesn't feel as fresh that you can, or is it separate? No, it probably would be interpreted as a full-fledged gezerah. Says the Gemara, Rav Pape, that's a small story here, says the Gemara, Ikla lebe mor shemuel. So Rav Pape was visiting the house of Mor Shemuel on Yom Tov. They brought him a type of porridge uh, thing which was made out of crushed wheat and he didn't eat from it. You imagine your visit. This is Bavel. Good question. Says the Gemara Vidilmab. So the Gemara wonders, why not? I don't know, the Gemara says, well, what's going on? If we're in Bavel, as Jared just pointed out, they could use Machtesh Ketana. So apparently he was assuming they used the Machtesh Ketana. Maybe they used the small grinding device, in which case it would be permitted. As says the Gemara, Rav Pape looked at the Dayasa, he looked at that porridge in front of him, and he realized that it was finely ground. You can't finely ground it, grind it like that with the small device. Must have been the big device. Says the Gemara, Maybe they ground it yesterday. Who said it was done today? Rashi explains he saw that it was white. It was a freshly ground dayasa. And he's had a problem. Alternatively, says the Gemara, none of this needs to be applicable. He still wouldn't eat from it. In this household of Mor Shemuel, the slaves, the worker people, used to be parutz. They wouldn't follow halacha accordingly. And therefore, as Rav Pape was there, he said, I have to draw restrictions for myself. They may have done it in the permitted fashion, but I have to be suspicious because I know their ways in this context. That's interesting. Says, says Morris, how is he able to do this? Is it an embarrassment for Mor Shemuel? I hear you. It is an important question question. Maybe alternatively, if the Gemara is saying that, no, okay, let's give two answers. I don't have the right, I don't have a, a true answer, so to speak. Either it says Dayton, maybe he just, uh, someone picked up, but Moshe Moel didn't pick up on this. You cannot eat in someone's house and eat other things and they don't realize that you're not eating from that. Alternatively, if he was asked, he would say, listen, it has nothing to do with you. I just don't really trust, and you know the issues with your work or people. I know you served it in front of me, but I'm a little bit nervous about this. I don't know per se that that will embarrass a person. But I'm going to go to the next one. I'm going to go to the next one.